The following podcast is part of a certified educational activity titled A New View of the Spectrum of HER2 Expression and Significance of HER2 Low in Breast Cancer, Exploring the Biology and Updating Best Practices for Testing and Treatment. Access the entire activity and complete the post-test at peerview.com forward slash NRG 860. Downloadable slides and practice aids are also available. So welcome to this uh, symposium on a new view of the spectrum of HER2 expression and significance of HER2 low in breast cancer. I'm Stuart Schnitt from the Brigham and Women's Hospital, Dana-Farber Cancer Institute and Harvard Medical School, and we have a really excellent uh, symposium uh, for you this morning. Uh, the faculty, in addition to me, include uh, Paolo Tarantino, who is an advanced research fellow at the Breast Oncology Center at Dana-Farber and Harvard Medical School. Uh, probably or arguably the most published person on her too low on earth uh, as of this date. George Reese Filo is someone who needs no introduction to a pathology audience. He's Chief of Experimental Pathology and Director of the Experimental Pathology Fellowship at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Uh, and we honestly have been working together for several weeks to try to make a program for you that we think will be both informative and entertaining. So the goals of this presentation are to improve your knowledge of HER2-low breast cancer, including the clinical scenarios, terms and definitions, testing methods that we currently use, and testing methods that are on the horizon to better identify these tumors. So the way we've structured this program is that Dr. Tarantino will give us the foundational aspects and evolving understanding of HER2-low breast cancer from primarily the clinical perspective, I will then talk about current strategies for HER2 testing to identify HER2-low breast cancers, and Dr. Reese Filo will talk about future directions in HER2 testing to improve the detection of HER2-low breast cancers, and that will be followed by a panel discussion with interactive uh, Q&A and uh, reflections and conclusions. So... I think we're ready to get started. So the first talk will be by Dr. Tarantino, entitled The Foundational Aspects and Evolving Understanding of HER2-Low Breast Cancer. Thank you for the introduction, Stu. Thank you to everybody for being here at this early time of the day. I'm very happy to be here to discuss my favorite topic in oncology, which is HER2-Low, of course. I'm going to start from a few years ago with this talk, but in the 80s and 90s, when HER2 as a um, and an oncogene was characterized, and it was shown that about 15 to 20% of breast tumors harbored amplification of the HER2 oncogene, which led to overexpression of the HER2 oncoprotein on the cell membrane. And these tumors, this 15 to 20% of the tumors, exhibited very distinct uh, clinical and biologic characteristic and a worse prognosis compared to HER2 negative tumors. However, this prognostic value was reverted by the development of hentier 2 agent. And in the beginning, this was trastuzumab, an, an ER2 blocking a monoclonal antibody. And the, the addition of trastuzumab to chemotherapy led to major advancement, both in the early and advanced disease settings. Nowadays, not only trastuzumab, but actually eight ER2 agents are approved by the FDA or EMA to treat HER2 positive breast cancer. And once again, this once was a very aggressive and poor prognostic entity, and nowadays it's probably the, the um, subtype of breast cancer that we're able to treat the best, even more than hormone receptor positive or two negative. 
and the overall survival of Earth 2 positive is progressively rising in time. And in the last trials, we've seen also with certain drugs that we can lead to more than five to six years of a survival in the metastatic setting, and we can cure up to 90% of the patients in the early setting, and, and this thanks to all of these hinter 2 drugs. And so the traditional HER2 pie chart, as I said, 15 to 20% of tumors are HER2 positive, but the remaining part of the pie chart has been called HER2 negative for the past two decades or more, mostly because it was not um, a, sub a subtype of breast cancer we could treat with anterior 2 drugs. They didn't work, basically, despite the fact that there actually is some HER2 detectable with immunohistochemistry, even in what we call HER2 negative breast cancer. Thousands of HER2 receptors in these cells that once again, we call HER2 negative. And so it was worth to ask, could these patients with these tumors that are HER2 negative, but with some HER2 detectable with IHC derive benefit from HER2 blockade? And the, the largest trial to ask this question was the NSABPB47, um, a phase three adjuvant trial attempting to, uh, to see the benefit of trastuzumab, adjuvant trastuzumab added to standard chemotherapy for patients with node positive or high risk node negative breast cancer that had what we call today HER2 low disease. So IHT1 plus or 2 plus fish negative. And the addition of trastuzumab to chemotherapy in this trial led to no benefit in invasive disease free survival or overall survival. There's actually two curves there, not only one. And, and so even when looking at the advanced setting, pertuzumab tested in HER2 low or HER2 negative metastatic breast cancer led to an objective response rate of 2%, progression-free survival 1.5 months, basically HER2 blockade in HER2 negative or HER2 low, HER2 non-amplified breast cancer doesn't work, doesn't bring clinical benefits. However, in the last 20 years, we've worked hard at developing novel anti-true drugs, not only HER2 monoclonal antibodies, but also antibody drug conjugates, that is the class of drug we're going to discuss mostly today, but also by specific antibodies, vaccines. In general, we've expanded the arsenal, and I guess, for two to treat breast cancer. And the first antibody drug conjugate to be developed in breast oncology was TDM1, trastuzumab and tansing. And this was approved for treating metastatic breast cancer in 2013, but was tested also in a subset of her two negative tumors and was found to be not so effective, response rate of 4.8%, median PFS of 2.6 months. So in general, TDM1 is not the best agent for her to negative breast cancer for a variety of reasons. And these reasons were tackled by a novel generation of antibody drug conjugates. So the way antibody drug conjugates work is delivering chemotherapy towards cells expressing a certain antigen, in this case, HER2. However, novel conjugates compared to TDM1 have a higher amount of chemotherapy linked to each antibody, what we call drug-to-antibody ratio, that for trastuzumab drusium, for instance, is 8, whereas for TDM1 was about 3.5. And then you have a cleavable linker. TDM1 has a very strong linker, very stable linker that allows to deliver the chemotherapy that that remains into the cell. In this case, we have a cleavable linker that allows for the bystander effect, and the payload can diffuse also to nearby cells, even if they don't express HER2. And finally, novel payloads. Most of the ADCs we've developed uh, have got microtubule inhibitors as payloads, but novel antibody drug conjugates are testing novel payloads, including topoisomerase 1 inhibitors. And trastuzumab deruxecan is the agent that exemplifies all of these features. It's got a topoisomerase inhibitor, DXT, with a high drug-to-antibody ratio of 8.8 per, per 1, 
uh, a tumor selective cleavable linker and evidence of bystander tumor effect. And here, once again, the mechanism of action, once the ADC is internalized into the cell, the, um, the compound is degraded, the payload can exert its effect in the tumor cells, but can also diffuse the nearby cells and exert the bystander effect. That it's something that is supposed to help in heterogeneous tumors. Tumors have heterogeneous expression of antigens. And the first time we saw the activity of TDXT in uh, HER2 negative or HER2 low parents cancer was in uh, the phase one trial, J101, where it was tested in a subset of 54 highly pretreated uh, metastatic breast cancer patients. And in this setting, usually highly pretreated HER2 low setting, we don't expect very high response rate. But in this case, we saw 37% response rate with similar activity in IHC 1 plus and 2 plus and a median PFS of 11 months that was really remarkable back then. It was really, really, really remarkable. And also other agents confirmed that we can target her to low expression with antibody drug conjugates, and in particular, trastuzumab, duocarmazine, and up vedoting to very different agents, but still able to achieve a response rate of 30 to 40% with a median PFS, in this case, between four and six months, just to confirm that this subset of patients is targetable. And so this led to change a little bit the pie chart of HER2 targetability. Not only the 15 to 20% of HER2 positive breast cancer were targetable, but actually an entire new subset of 50% of breast cancer that are called now HER2 low. Once again, IHC 1+, plus, 2+, plus, non-amplified, that can be targeted with novel ADC. And it's half or even more than all metastatic breast cancers, but it's important to remember that the percentage really depends on the hormone receptor expression, because among hormone receptor positive tumors, HER2 non-amplified, about two-thirds are HER2 low, whereas among triple negative tumors, about one-third, 30 to 40 percent, are HER2 low. And when we look at this uh, in our subset at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, what we found was that actually there is a continuous association between the estrogen receptor and the um, expression of HER2 low expression. And so among triple negatives, you have 40% that are HER2 low, but going slightly up, you have 46% of the ER low that are HER2 low, and gradually increases up to her ERI more than 95%, then 62% of the cases are her too low. So it's always important to remember that there is this strong association. And so the, the higher the R expression, the higher the likelihood of having her too low expression. But once we looked and several groups looked at the genomic profile of her too low tumors compared to her to zero, that are the two subsets that compose the her the to negative macroarea, what we and others have found is that there's like minimal differences in genomic alterations between HER2 low and HER2 zero. It's not that there are different entities in terms of genomic alterations. And even in terms of prognosis, um, a wide variety of trials have been conducted to elucidate if HER2 low expressing tumors behave in a different way compared to HER2 zero. And once you correct for the very important confounder of hormone receptor expression, and so you divide or moisture positive from triple negative tumors, there apparently is no major prognostic significance for her too low expression. And this was recently nicely shown in a study from the National Cancer Database of more than 1 million patients. So a very remarkable study that divided triple negative from her HR positive and looked at her too low versus 
um, the three Earth to low versus Earth to zero. Uh, and what they found is actually that the curves for overall survival are overlapping in each in each setting, in each stage, stage one, two, three, four in both cases. And so really no major prognostic significance in this case. And so Earth to low, is it a distinct entity? Well, it has no benefit with treatment with trastuzumab, pertuzumab, no distinct genomic profile, and no distinct prognosis. So, not clearly a distinct subtype of breast cancer compared to HER2 zero. And so, why bother defining this new entity of HER2 low breast cancer? Well, one main reason, and this reason is called Destiny Breast 04. There is the trial that prompted a standing ovation last year at ASCO at the plenary session. And this was a st phase three study that, uh, that tested um, trastuzumab, derusic, and versus chemotherapy of physician choice in a population of patients with metastatic breast cancer that was HER2 low, so IHT 1+, 2+, non-amplified, that had been treated with one to two lines of chemotherapy and endocrine treatment, if applicable. And most of the patients in this trial had hormone positive disease, but there was a subset of 10% that had triple negative disease, and the primary endpoint was progression-free survival in the overall, in the um, HR-positive population and in the overall population. And when you look at the, um, at the population enrolled, the median numbers of prior lines was one chemotherapy, the median numbers of prior endocrine treatment was two lines, um, the HER2 status was nicely divided, about 60% 1 plus, 40% 2 plus ish negative, and once again, 90% of the population was hormones after positive in this trial, 10% was triple negative. And what you can see is that trastuzumab deruxic in this population that is, once again, HER2 low, does not have the amplification over 2, well, still had an impressive activity and doubled progression-free survival compared to traditional chemotherapy, and from, 4 point, from uh, five, about 5 months to 10.1 months, both in the hormone receptor positive population and also when you add the, the triple negative population for another ratio of 0.5 that was statistically significant. And most importantly, also overall survival was statistically significantly improved with trastuzumab deruxican compared to um, chemotherapy of physician choice with uh, an improvement from 17.5 months to 23.9, with another ratio of 0.64 that once again was statistically significant, both in hormone receptor positive and in the overall population. And then even when you look at the small subset of, of triple negative breast cancer patients, only 58 patients, but still there was a benefit in progression-free survival and overall survival, with another ratio of 0.46. So a major advantage for all the population of HER2 low metastatic breast cancer patients. And in terms of toxicities, in general, these were fairly similar to what we observed with chemotherapy, which just shows that ADCs are targeted chemotherapy. So they have a targeted mechanism of action, but they also harbor the toxicities of chemotherapy. And so you still have nausea, cytopenias, and important to remember also pulmonary toxicity can be seen with uh, trastuzumab deruxican. This led very rapidly after the presentation at ASCO to the approval by the FDA in August 5th, 2022 of trastuzumab for her to low breast cancer, more recently also in Europe in January 26, 2023. For patients with HER2 low, IHT1+, 2-plus-ish negative, metastatic breast cancer who have received a prior chemotherapy in a metastatic setting or developed disease recurrence during or within six months of completing adjuvant chemotherapy. And so now we are at a place where TDXD is approved for HER2-positive breast cancer, 
for her to low breast cancer. And so the only patients that don't have access to TDXT are those metastatic breast cancer patients that have her to zero value, about 30% of the population. And so we might ask ourselves, is there any chance that actually TDXT could work even in a HER2 zero population? And it seems impossible because it's zero, but what we know actually, if, if we look with better assay, and we're gonna see in the next two presentations, is that zero is not zero. And we also saw it clinically because in a very smart French small phase two trial, the DAISY study, TDXT was tested in a subset of HER2 zero metastatic breast cancer patients and the response rate was 30%, which is higher than what we see normally with chemotherapy, with a um, PFS of about 4.2 months. But I believe we need to see more, and we might see soon more, because there is a second trial after DBO4, another phase 3 trial, the DBO6, Destiny Breast 6, that is testing trastuzumab derusecan versus physician choice of chemotherapy in a fairly similar population to DBO4, but with some slight but important differences. First of all, not only in HER2 low, but also in what we sometimes call ultra-low. So those tumors with IHC zero score, where you can still detect some HER2 expression. So less than 10% of tumor cells showing faint expression, more than zero, less than one. We still don't have a clear name for this, but we can call it less, more than zero, less than one, or ultra-low. And this category might expand the targetability of the pie chart further, and then this trial is restricted that hormones are positive, there is no triple negative patients enrolled. It's a larger trial and it's for only for chemo-naive patients. And so we've seen that we have recently expanded the pie chart of HER2 targetability from only those 15 to 20% of HER2 positive to a larger, a much larger fraction of patients with HER2 positive or HER2 low. In general, HER2 expressing by immunohistochemistry. However, if DBO6 is positive, we might see a further expansion, a further slice of this pie, the ultra-low or more than zero, less than one, that might also become targetable with TDXD and potentially other ADCs. But what we will see in the next presentation is that actually there's novel methods that are being utilized to look for HER2 and which might potentially allow to unlock the full pie chart, the full spectrum of HER2. It's important always to remember that HER2 positive is a distinct subtype that behaves in a distinct way and can benefit of a wide variety of HER2 drugs, but still, potentially, any patients might be eligible if there is enough HER2 expression detectable with novel assays for potent ADCs. Thank you, Paolo. That was a terrific overview on how we got to where we are today in 2023. And what I'd like to now discuss are current strategies for HER2 testing to identify HER2 low breast cancer. And I thought I would start out with a brief historical perspective. So as you may remember, those of you who are old enough, back in the 1990s, there were several pivotal trials that led to the FDA approval of trastuzumab. And those were really two major trials. In patients with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer, trastuzumab monotherapy was effective in patients who failed treatment with prior chemotherapy. And in the other trial, trastuzumab plus chemotherapy was more effective than chemotherapy alone as first-line treatment for these patients with HER2-positive metastatic breast cancer. So, that led to, on September 25th, 1998, the FDA approval of trastuzumab. And 
Trastuzumab has now been around for almost 25 years, and you may have lost sight of the fact that back in 1998, this was a really, really big deal. Because this was really, uh, as the New York Times said on September 26th, the day after the FDA approved,